0: Well, today brings us to uh, the last sermon in a series that we've been in, entitled, Uh, Uh, For All of Life's Messes. And we've looked at some of the messy things in in life. And today, uh, we focus on family life. And sometimes family life can get in a mess. And uh, we're talking about when family life is fragile. And I would think that the reality is, since the creation of the first family... Family life has always been fragile. A lot, of, a lot of pressure put on family life. The culture has always been against family life. And so in the past we've used a lot of videos to illustrate what we were dealing with in, in the sermon and content of the message. But this time I thought let, let, let's hear what people here at Spring Valley have to say about what are the threats and challenges to family life. And so on two separate Sundays uh, we had a video crew uh, asking people that question And uh, Carl Carraway and Brad Fleming did a great job of putting the video together for you. And here's what um, some of the people here at Spring Valley said about the threats and challenges to family life. We're asking the Spring Valley congregation the following question. What do you think is the greatest challenge or threat to family life today? I believe one of the greatest challenges to family life today is technology. So I think one of those great threats to the American family today it's a sense of great direction that we can only find in God. And with God, we can find direction. Trying to raise a family in a godly uh, way with despite all the ungodly uh, distractions of the world. There are so many distractions by the world today that's taking the family away from being a God-centered family. While technology is fantastic uh, and allows us to access things we've never been able to access before, that's the threat. It allows us to access things we've never been able to access before. I think it's really our priorities and what we really are making time for. We're making time for going to work. We're making time for having our activities, for our family time, but really, we're putting the God time. We know, we say that's most important, but we're not doing it. I'm not doing it. What's the greatest threat that challenges the family life today? That'd be Gamecock football. (laughs) I think the greatest challenge to the American family life today is spending time together as a family and also spending time in God's Word. Faith, and that we just... uh, I feel that we're secularizing the world so much and people are just losing faith in, in, in Christ and, um, and our, our children and the way that, that they're being brought up. And the world continually tries to put financial issues and worldly possessions in front of us, and I think that it is taking our eyes off of God. I'd say the greatest threat or challenge would just be the culture around us and the uh, ideals that have become accepted in the, throughout society and how we we tend to kind of migrate towards that and just uh, instead of sticking to our core values and our historical values. Busy lifestyles. I see the biggest challenge to family life today is a lack of family values. But I think the biggest challenge today is everything they got going on in life besides church. Nowadays, we got our schedules packed with sports and band and events, and then we don't have our priorities straight uh, for church and the things that matter in life? Amen. <laughs> kind of the short answer is there's just a lot of things going on. It's hard to pick and choose what you should do. And sometimes church life and family life can suffer. All right. I think the biggest challenge that faces family life today is just the fact that life is so busy and everybody has so many priorities and um, things that they have going on in their life that we really just don't have a lot of time to spend with each other. And the fact that we have to pay for all of those things. <laughs> I personally believe from a children's ministry standpoint that one of the biggest challenges to families is the busyness of their life, the uh, number of different activities that their children are involved in. And if they have more than one child, then two or three children, it's even more so busy. And I actually believe that all of the traveling soccer and baseball and cheerleading events that we do that has now become the priority for the weekend's, Uh, ends up interfering with church life. There's so many, but I would say the biggest is uh, keeping God in the family. That would be the biggest. What do you think is the greatest challenge or threat to family life today? I'd say it's definitely the busy schedule of today's society. You need to make time to be with your family and I don't think enough people do that. I think the greatest uh, threat to family life today would probably be selfishness. Um, Parents want to choose what they want to choose, um, be it uh, more money, more time at work, um, focusing more on their needs. Um, like when you get aggravated with other people. What do you think is the greatest threat or challenge to family life today? I think it's uh, individualism within the family and not putting God first and surrounding your life around Him and allowing Jesus to uh, lead your family in the direction it needs to go. Daughters, boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> I think the greatest threat is... Um, I guess the profession, you know, for me, I have times where I have to work late and leave early, so I don't get to spend much time at home. What do you think is the greatest threat or challenge to family life today? Uh, the disintegration of the nuclear family. The greatest threat and challenge would be sibling rivalry. Lindsey Boss signing off. You <laughs> uh, did a great job. Well, that's just a sample. We had about 47, I think, people who responded to that and it was 30 minutes in length and uh, we had to cut it to five. And um, everybody had great answers. And look at the way they fell into place. Oh, and I told Lindsay, I said, I think you might want want to consider transferring your your major from um, special ed to broadcast journalism because I think you might have a future in that. Didn't she do a great job with that? She did a great super job. I told her to tell her daddy that she wanted to go to the Rochester School of Broadcasting Journalism. That, that's a long way away. Yeah, see how you like that. All right, but look at the way that we, uh, we organize those, those issues. What we say first off? Technology. And technology is wonderful if you use it correctly, but it can interfere with family time. I've seen it. A family of four out to eat on Friday night, and every member of the family, mom, dad, and two kids playing with a different electronic device, Okay. Uh, TV, and uh, the media today, TV, uh, movies, busyness of life. We stay so busy, and we don't have to, but we think we can't miss out on anything. And I think one of the issues that parents have to decide today is, are you going to try to give your children everything, or do you want to give them the most important things in life? Uh, Lack of family, biblical values. I think we've drifted away from the teaching of the Bible about that. Priorities, just getting our priorities in order. Learning how to balance work and school and activities and family life as well. And the bottom line is then that church life just does not become a priority when all these other things take precedent. And the result is that family life is fragile. And when family life is fragile, we see that uh, in, in our culture. Then so as, as the family goes, then so goes the culture. And so no wonder then we're living in what's being called a post-Christian society. Now, you might think, well, let's look at the Bible and find an outstanding example of a family that knew how to handle life. And while the Bible gives us principles and scripture guidance about how husbands should relate to wives and wives to husbands and children, and from the Ten Commandments about obey and honor your parents and all of that, you know, you really cannot find a strong biblical family model. You look at the first family, Adam and Eve, they fell into sin. And then the result of that was that their son Cain killed Abel, his brother. And somebody said, we've been raising Cain ever since then. Then you look at Joseph's family. That was truly a dysfunctional family. There was sibling rivalry to a great extent. To the extent that they the brothers sold Joseph uh, into slavery and made up a story to tell their father Jacob about that. And all that went on in that family totally, totally dysfunctional. David's family. I was dysfunctional. In that family there was murder and incest and his own son Absalom rebelled against him and wanted to take his place as king and rule as king. Then you look in even at the family of Jesus. And you have to say that it was a dysfunctional family. And if you notice something else about that you will notice that for a period of time uh, Mary the mother was the head of household as a single parent. But the family of of Jesus did not understand who he was and didn't recognize who he was. There's a great example of that in Mark 3, uh, verses 20 through 21. It says, Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said, he is out of his mind. See, they thought Jesus was out of his mind with some kind of martyr complex. And they didn't believe in him until after his death, burial, and resurrection. You know, we've drifted a long way from the typical family of the, probably the 50s. With a mom and dad, the dad works, mom at home, two kids, and that. Family life has changed so much today. A lot of things have structured our families in a lot of different ways. To where we have a variety of families here in the life of this church. Not all of the typical or that nuclear family. Some of you have been blessed by parents and significant adults in your life. Others of you have been wounded by family relationships or the lack of it. Some parents and children are enjoying wonderful seasons of harmony and faith and the blessings of God. Others of you are struggling through seasons of conflict. Some of you are single. Some of you are families, and you have no children. So this is not just for for parents and children, but it's for grandparents and aunts and uncles. It's for single people. It's for young people who know what family life will be like in the the future. They're going to have to deal with these issues of, of the culture infringing on everything in the family. And it's also something to you who are Sunday school teachers, mission leaders, choir leaders, whatever your activity is involved, youth working with the youth, teaching them You have an opportunity to influence them about biblical faith so that they have a greater chance of implementing that in their home later in life. Most of the studies over the last 25 years have been about the characteristics and traits of dysfunctional families. But there was an interesting study that came out of the University of Nebraska, out of the Department of Human Development, uh, that Dr. Nick Stanette interviewed 3,000 strong families, and he interviewed different types of families, uh, all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of ethnicity. And he said the only criteria was that these families rated themselves high in marriage satisfaction and parent-child relationships. And out of that study, he found that there were six qualities of strong families. And here is what they are. First of all, all the members are committed to the family. Second, they spend time together. Third, they have good family communication Number four, they express appreciation to each other. Five, they have a spiritual commitment. And six, they are able to solve problems in times of crisis. Now listen to those six again. Families that are strong, they are committed to the family. They spend time together. They have good family communication. They express appreciation to each other. They have spiritual commitment, and they're able to solve problems in a crisis. How many of you watch Duck Dynasty? Yeah, ten o'clock Wednesday nights, and the rest of the way to end Wednesday night on A and E. Uh, that they have taken America by storm. of well, the uh, largest audience watches it, uh, and I'm a fan of it. I like Si; he's my favorite character. In fact, the kids gave me a T-shirt for my birthday. It's got sign on it. It says, work hard, nap hard, because that's, you know, that's that's Si. I like that. And it's not just faith, family, and facial hair, as they talk about. I think the big attraction for them and their popularity is because they model biblical family values. Do you know of any other show on television that has the family in that show gathered around the dinner table, and they pray and give thanks in the name of Jesus? No, there's not. And the other thing about them that they, I, I, I think they're a help to families and people want to be like that is because, not because they're rich and not because they get to wear camo all the time and not because the guys don't have to shave, but it's because uh, they, they, they show that family relationships can get messy at times. There's always some kind of underlying two different themes going on in every episode. But they always work it out. they always talk about the fact that family life can be difficult, especially when they all work for each other. And Willie's got to be the CEO of the company. But what they do is they bring family values to America. And I think America is rallying to that because they need it. Now, some of you have tried it and you say, they say words I don't want to hear. Well, that's true, but they're not cross words. They're just a little bit coarse, a little bit rough. Okay. Uh, In fact, I watched an interview uh, on, on Phil the daddy not too long ago. And he was just in a setting where he was talking about some of the filming that they had been doing. It looked like they were taking a break between a filming one of the episodes. And he talked about that at one time the producers were putting bleeps in the, in the program. And so, uh, I remember some of the earlier programs, I heard some of that and I wondered, why did they bleep that? Surely they didn't say anything. they cuss. And so Phil asked him about that. And they said, oh, well, to, to, to attract an American audience today, we have to bleep so they think you're cussing because that's what, that's what attracts people. And Phil says, if that's what you've got to do, then we'll stop the show because we don't cuss. We're not going to do that. And then the second thing is they came to Phil and said, "Uh, the prayer at the end's okay, but you can't pray in Jesus' name. You might offend some people. Phil said, that's where our faith comes from. That's who it revolves around. If we can't pray in the name of Jesus, then we'll cancel the show. Now, do you know any other family values on television that stands out like that? No. And America is rallying to it because we want that model. We want to see family life like that, where you can be together. They went through some tough times. If you read the books, there are four different books that have been out, and I've read all of them. And they're packed with faith, but they're also packed with struggles in life. Now, we've got a limited time. In fact, we're probably close to where we ought to be out. So I knew that would come today with everything that we had to do. But where do we go then to guide to the Bible to find some guidance about how we can make families strong when family life is fragile? Let's go to the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verses 11 through 15. Joshua is giving a farewell address to the children of Israel. They are getting ready to live in a new environment, a new culture that is going to have many conflicts for them. And what he does is he gives them a challenge. And listen to to that challenge. He, He reminds them of God's blessings and God's grace. And he challenges them in the future to remain true to him and to know God's blessings. He starts out by saying in verse 11, Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Gershites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now, fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. For away to God your forefathers worshiped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. And here is one of the most famous statements in the Old Testament. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now, what does Joshua say that helps us with family life? Let me mention three things. First of all, build your family on the grace of God. He reminds them of the grace of God and all the blessings that He's given to them. They didn't get all, all the victories. They didn't do it through their army. They did it because God did it. And, and all the blessings of the food and all everything that came to them was through God's grace. So Joshua wanted them to build their family life remembering God's grace. Now what does that look like when we model grace and build our family life around God's grace? I think it means three things. First of all, we constantly remind our family of God's blessings. We constantly talk about it. How good God is. That He, he, he alone is worthy of praise and honor and glory and worship. And look at all the blessings that He's given to us. Health and strength, and finances, and salvation. And even when we have to go through tough times, because every family will have to do it. There will be disease, there will be layoffs, there will be deaths, all of those things. God is there with us. He gives us His presence, the Holy Spirit. He walks through all those difficult times with us. He is so good and loving. So, we constantly need to remind our family of God's blessings. Then secondly, we need to develop a lifestyle of generosity. God's grace has been lavishly bestowed upon us in salvation and all the blessings of life. Then we need a generous heart that we give back to God. And it needs to start with the heads of the home. And we need to teach our children why we give. And you workers in, in Sunday school and working with students of all ages and children, you need to instill that as well into the children as to why you give an offering, why you, we take up an offering. It's to show gratitude, generosity and our, our generosity to God. Then thirdly, it would be to be slow to to anger and quick to forgive. There are always opportunities in your family life when there's conflict that you can just get angry and remain angry or you can learn how to resolve that conflict. And the Bible gives us a great example of that in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So that's building your family on the grace of God. The second thing I would say is this then model a genuine faith in God. It says, as the children of Israel were ready to go into a land where, uh, where Joshua said they're going to be the gods of these Amorites and all of these other gods out there, he said, You got to choose whom you're going to serve. And he says, Fear the Lord and serve him. That's a challenge he gave to him. Now, we've talked early in one of the messages in this series about having a healthy fear for God and a reverent fear. But there is also that concept of the fact that you rebel against Him and one of these days you are going to face Him as the judge and so you better be in fear and awe of God as well. well. What does it mean then in the challenge about modeling a genuine faith in God? Well, it means that when you are at home you need to be the same person you are when you are at church. When you are at work you need to be the same person you are when you are at church. You know, When you are recreating with friends you need to be the same person you are at church. You see, you, 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 need to have, you need to have that true commitment in your life. And, and, and then there's no difficulty in following you within the family. Yesterday, we had a family gathering to celebrate our youngest granddaughter, Josie's first birthday. And uh, a year ago when she was born, she had to spend some time in the NICU. She had some breathing difficulties. As a result of that was some reflux. And then she was on a, a special formula for a year. And then she had a couple of trips back into the hospital. But as we celebrated her birthday yesterday, our son Andrew said, uh, you know, we think about where Josie was a year ago and we thank God for his blessings on her life. And it was a great way to start a birthday celebration. And then since family was gathered there and we couldn't work out a time in either church to dedicate Josie, we did a dedication with the family there in their home. And I read out of Deuteronomy 6 where it talks about love the Lord your God and serve Him with all your heart and then take these words and teach them to your children. And so I challenged Andrew. I said this is the way we do it is that you talk about it as you go through life. You take those teachable moments. You see there is no set pattern for how you instill the faith. Some, some families are able to do a, a dinner devotion time. Now we raised four children and it got hectic at times and so we had to take those teachable moments as they come as opportunities to talk about God and to have our scripture discussions. And so that's why I would encourage you. You read Deuteronomy 6, that portion of it where it talks about taking that faith where, where you go. You know, you teach it, you take it, and you talk it. And so it's teachable moments because I think those biblical principles are caught more than they are taught. Okay? They catch them as you live them. And that, that is why you need to live out a genuine uh, faith, to be the same person all the time, and to deal with the issues that you deal with in life with the same kind of, of faith and determination that you 're supposed to have. Now, let me say something to some of the workers and teachers here in, in the life of this church. Um, you don 't know the impact that you might have on the children that you teach. You see, our, our children grew up in a pastor 's home, and all of them are in church life, all of them are in ministry. But when we get together as family and we talk, they have a lot of remembrances about Spring Valley Baptist Church because this church and the people in this church help shape their faith. They oftentimes talk about mission leaders and volunteers in the student ministry area and Sunday school teachers who influence them. And to paraphrase or to change the title of a book, it takes a church to raise a child. And so I would say to you as you teach and you lead understand you have a tremendous opportunity to influence lives for the glory of God. Now let me say something to those whose children uh, might not be living for the Lord. Um, I know that's a difficult struggle but continue to be there for them. Nagging, criticism, constant pressure that's not likely to help. But you can still talk about your faith. You can still live your faith. You can invite them to worship. And when they come to visit, if they don't go to church, don't stay home with them. Come to church. Because that says a message to them that says their lack of faith is greater than your faith. Okay? Pray for them. Continue to model your faith. Now, the parents whose children have turned away from the faith, always keep the door open. Don't close the door on the opportunity Uh, that they might come home one day. Be like the father in the story of the prodigal son. That father is pictured as always standing there every day, looking out across the field, looking for his son to come home. And when that son came home, he was right there, ready to welcome his son. No questions, no condemnation. He brought him back into the family. Those are some words of hope and encouragement for you, I hope. Now, here's the third thing we need to listen to very carefully, and that's that's the last one we'll say today. And that is decide daily to serve the Lord. Joshua said, but as for me and my household we will serve the Lord. See, nothing mattered but that he and his people who all agreed to serve the Lord and to serve Him faithfully were willing to serve God with all faithfulness. That's all that mattered. All faithfulness means there can be no hidden rooms in your life. That everything has to be open, above board, and honest in your lifestyle. Model that in your lifestyle. Choose to serve God every day. Now, we'll wrap it up by saying family life is fragile. And I think it's being threatened, I mean it's obvious, it's being threatened more and more by greater challenges every day. The, the laws approving same-sex marriage than parents who are not involved spiritually in the life of their family. One of the big problems in our culture today is men who do not lead. In fact, more men are absent than they are present. In the most recent study about single parent homes, nine out of ten, the head of the household is a woman. And when you're the when you're only adult in the family, then you have to take the role as a spiritual leader. But men, you need to step up. You need to step up. Now, let me close with this quote from Chuck Swindoll. Charles Wendell said this about the family. He said, whatever else may be said about the home, it is the bottom line of life, the anvil upon which attitudes and convictions are hammered out. It is the place of the single most influential force in our earthly existence. Not the church, but the home. That's why when family life is fragile, and the culture threatens us as never before, we need to make sure that we're build upon the grace of God, that we live an authentic lifestyle, and that we make that commitment to serve God, and that that is a genuine faith, and that we live honestly and open before our family and before anybody else. Family life is fragile, but with God as the foundation of your home, you have a solid foundation upon which you can build a strong family. Let's pray, Father, we thank you that in this culture today You continue to give us words of wisdom and guidance from your word. You give us wisdom through the uh, the Holy Spirit as he imparts that to us. And I pray that as families struggle today to get their priorities in order and to balance life and to make all wise decisions that you will, will, will speak to them clearly and remind them of whom they're trying to serve And I pray, Father, that families today and the heads of households will make decisions today that will be lived out in their homes and that we will see strong and healthy families as a result of that as we come to these biblical values. And Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus and ask for decisions to be made in accordance with His name and His will and for Your glory. And I pray it there. Amen.